Welcome to Story Story Night, where you hear true stories on a theme recorded live on stage and without notes. I'm your host, Jody Eichelberger. On this podcast, we put everything out on the table. The periodic table. It's the slam from our flagship season, Brave the Elements, held on December 26, 2018 at Jump, our all-ages venue in downtown Boise. During the slam, we randomly drew names and a few storytellers struck gold. Plus a special recitation of the cremation of Sam McGee from our cowboy poet, Dean Steele. Get into your element. It's story time. Roger Donne. You know, I have a rather short story, but, you know, I told a story here once before, and some of you may remember me uh, getting knocked on the head in a motorcycle accident and losing my teeth. Anybody remember that story? Well, okay. All right. Well, what that means is I don't remember things quite as well as I used to. Even though it's a short story, I don't trust myself to remember to tell this the way it really needs to be told. And I know we're not supposed to be use notes, but but please, please forgive me. Now, a story is supposed to have a beginning, a middle, and an end. Here's the beginning. The middle and the end. Exactly 50 years ago on Christmas Eve, a momentous event occurred during my lifetime, which I can only describe as a golden moment in history. The year 1968 was a year of incredible turbulence in America. For me, it started while my ship, a destroyer, was preparing to return home from an eight-month tour in the waters off Vietnam. We had spent Christmas 1967 in Sasebo, Japan, and were anxious to go back home to our families, but our return trip was delayed by one month when we were ordered to head at full speed to the Sea of Japan. The USS Pueblo had been captured by North Korea. We were told that if the Pueblo to be recovered, it would be our ship that would go into Wonsan Harbor and bring her out. Unfortunately, the Johnson administration chose to have our fleet depart the area, never to again return. The taking of the Pueblo and the abuse and torture of its crew over the next 11 months became a major Cold War incident. The Pueblo still held by North Korea today is the only U.S. Navy commissioned ship still being held captive by the enemy. That's how 1968 started for me. Not a good start. Oh, by the way, there's a famous photo of those sailors being photographed by the North Koreans. Does anybody remember about that photo? They're going like this. Google it, it's, it's golden. <laughs> I want to talk about the year, how the year ended, but not until I remind you all about what a horrendous year 1968 really was for America and the world. 
It has been often called the most historic year in modern American history. The Tet Offensive in Vietnam was the cause of a large loss of life of American soldiers and Marines. It sparked an anti-war movement that led to riots in Chicago during the Democratic Convention. It could arguably have, been, have helped Richard Nixon be elected president that year. It witnessed the assassinations of Martin Luther King and Robert Kennedy and the rise of the black power movement that even affected the Olympic athletes. There was the My Lai massacre of Vietnam civilians by the US Army that caused Americans to distrust and disrespect our military. Young men were being drafted and dying at an alarming rate in Vietnam. The middle. I joined the Navy in 1961, being promised I would get an education as an electrical engineer. I grew up watching movies and reading books about World War II, and I felt a genuine pride in being an American and thought that the US Navy would be a good career move. It was a time of peace and prosperity in the world. America was leading the post-war world and showing every country how we wage peace with the Marshall Plan, NATO, and the United Nations. There was a genuine feeling that this bunch of American leaders were truly the greatest generation. But by the end of 1968, it was becoming apparent that our leaders were failing us and that there seemed to be very little hope for a good outcome of the Cold War and even much worry that the Moon Project would end in disaster. By Christmas 1968, the mood in America was much like the mood is today, exactly 50 years later. We had lost faith in our leaders and our people were restless. But while all this turbulence was going on, the leaders of NASA made a momentous decision to change the entire game plan for getting to the moon by the end of the decade. It became apparent that the mission of Apollo 8 must be modified to orbit the moon by Christmas. This orbit was originally scheduled for Apollo 9 in 1969, but now it was more important than ever that we need to get there before the Russians did, and that appeared to be imminent. It was a huge gamble with many risks. These brave men knew that their odds of a successful mission was less than 50%, but this was war. They all knew that the Moon Project was the most important feature of the Cold War. If the Russians beat us to the Moon, we lose the war. Well, it is now in the history books that we made it to the Moon before the Russians did. But it wasn't Neil Armstrong's message in 69 that was the golden moment, in my humble opinion. It was the message that was broadcast from the three astronauts on Apollo 8 to the largest television audience in history on Christmas Eve. That message was two minutes long. They took turns reading from the book of Genesis, and then Frank Borman finished with this. And from the crew of Apollo 8, we close with good night, good luck, a Merry Christmas, and God bless all of you, all of you on the good earth. When I heard this on my television on that Christmas Eve, 50 years ago, it nearly took my breath away. 
I get emotional every time I talk about it. This message lifted my spirit and the spirits of people all over the world after a horrendous year of 1968. It gave us a sense that everything is going to be okay for humanity. There are still good people in charge and we can look forward to replacing failures with successes in the future. What was pointed to me about this message is that it was one in which all people on earth could relate. It was a uniting message, not a dividing one. Nearly all religions on earth believed in the story of creation as told in the book of Genesis, not just Christians. It was another moment of brilliance in the leadership of NASA, and it was golden. Even the Russian astronauts who heard the message said later that they knew that it was a moment which lost them the race to the moon and maybe even the Cold War. It may not seem like it now, but there will be a time in the future when great leaders will again fill our institutions, the Congress, and the White House. And if you have the good fortune to witness another moment like this, don't forget to tell your grandchildren. Thank you. Please welcome to the stage, Patty O'Hara. Wow. Well, uh, it's gold. And as soon as I saw the title of Story Story Night for tonight, I, honestly, this just happened to me probably about three weeks ago when I saw the title. I don't do bling. I'm not a bling person. So when I found myself reaching for a pair of gold flats in our closet, my closet, it was, it was like something was just kind of uh, putting me, reaching for that pair of gold flats. I don't know what was making me do it. I was on my way to a lovely gathering of uh, refined women, uh, lovely yogals, we call ourselves. If you're out there, I'm sorry, I can't see you. And if you're one of the six, this, this is kind. <laughs> I'm a dropout, a yogal dropout, and they still include me in this annual event. It's lovely, and it's always very elegant. They're always dressed lovely, not overdone or anything. So there is something in me. I'm wearing this green top, nothing earrings, black pants. Well, I've got to do a little, I'm going to do bling. I got the gold flats out. Lovely, sparkly gold flats over the top for me. And I, I'm running late. I head out the door, got my coat on. I'm running out the door in my gold flats. And I get this kind of, that mooky sound that we, we, when you're walking on dried Coke in the theater, you know, that sound and that feel, that kind of sticky thing that goes on and you're kind of like wiping your feet. And well, that happened. I was walking across the kitchen with these gold flats and I thought, well, I'll, I'll wash the floor when I get back. Yuck, that's terrible. And I kept going and I drove to Holly's house. I'm going to say her name. I don't hear a shriek or anything, so she's not here. This is good. And Holly lives in a lovely house. I, I thought, well, before I go in, just in case it's on my shoes, I wiped my shoes really good on the thing. She lets me in. I'm the third of six guests. And I walk in, and it's a beautiful foyer welcoming you in at these floors. Holly, what are these floors? Well, they're birch. They're new. They're, they're birch. Oh, beautiful floors. And I walk in, and there's that mooky sound again. And she heard it, and I heard it. 
but you kind of pretend you didn't, and I'm following her. And she just told me she took a little something. Well, I won't, never mind. I, <laughs> God, sorry. Anyway, but this didn't help anything. So I'm following her to the kitchen, and it was a long walk down this gorgeous birch hallway, and you enter this gorgeous hall, and I'm going muck, muck, muck all the way, and it's like, oh, God, this, ugh. So I tiptoe a little, and I'm thinking she won't notice. I follow her in, and all the food is laid out on this beautiful island in the kitchen dining area, and the wine, and, but the first thing I do is I head for a rug because I want this sound to stop. And I, there's a little rug, a beautiful Christmas rug by the island, but it was away from the wine and treats. And, but I went right there and help yourself to wine and treats, Patty. Oh, okay. And I'm trying to reach those I can't. And, oh, can't get that either. And I'm just standing there. I think I'll wait a little minute. Doorbell rings, more people come in and I hear Holly go, oh my God, what is this on the floor? And I thought, ooh, her floor too? She's... And I look down and she's pointing to this pile of gunk. It, it like steps toward where I was, of gunk, heaps of stuff. And I'm thinking, ooh, that's really awful. And so we all check our feet. That's what you do. And I'm like, well, I'll check my feet, but it's not me. And I look and it, my God, my shoes had disintegrated. It looked like I had sponge cake crumbling from the bottom of my soles, and I left a path of sponge cake all the way to my little island. I was horrified, and, and I got this flashback to when I was in first grade, and I was new in school, and we're doing book reports, you know, on what, mutton, I don't know what it was, but the principal is our guest, and I stood in front of everyone just like this, and I promise I won't do it now, but I wet my pants. <laughs> And I remember thinking that same feeling and that feeling that you go, well, it's, I didn't do that. And I wanted to say to them, I, I, I didn't do that, but the evidence is there. I couldn't leave my rug if I didn't fess up. I could just see me. So I had to take, I, it's me, I said. My, what in the world? Now remember, I'm surrounded by these lovely, classy, here I am from Wisconsin, you know, I'm trying to, I'm thinking, don't talk like you're from Wisconsin, Patty, yeah, right? Cut the accent, be really classy. Oh, my shoes, they've disintegrated. Oh, it happens all the time. So, so I take my shoes off. And in my mind, I'm going, I could not confess, but I did. And I take my shoes off. And I've now revealed my Fred Flintstone feet that I never, my husband didn't see them for five years ever married. I mean, I, and I hadn't shaved my toes in a week. I mean, oh God, it was horrible. And I'm barefoot and my bunions are just extra shiny tonight. I call, call them toe truffles, by the way. You don't call them bunions, you know, let's get elegant here. My toe truffles were shiny. My, I needed to braid my toe hairs or something and I'm there, I know it's really gross, isn't it? But I'm barefoot and here are all these lovely ladies, but just to tell you how classy they are, they said, just clean up the floor and join us, Patty. Oh, do. Here, I'll get you a pair of footies. Holly goes and gets her little pair of size four footies that I squish my big eight foot, you know, Fred Flintstone feet in and tuck the hair in. And, and it's one of those parties where you're sitting around the living room eating and they are lovely ladies, but everybody crosses their legs and all you see is their beautiful shoes. Yeah, yeah, except my feet. I'm gonna, I, 
the moral of this story is though, or not the moral, but what's so interesting about it is this morning, and I've been living with this story now for three weeks. It took me through the holidays. It's been so painful. <laughs> and, you know, there are a lot of bigger things in the world, right? But no, this was really big. But the beauty of it is, is telling a story sometimes sort of cleanses you. Yeah, I threw the gold flats away. They're in the garbage can. I was gonna take a picture and I thought, no. But this is cleansing. My uh, horoscope today was share your experience with people you socialize with. And I thought, this is way too, whoa. <laughs> I'm going to story, story night. What if I might get to share my story? I feel so cleansed. <laughs> And I will never wear gold flats again. Thank you. Oh, Dave Lee, all right, come on up. Good evening. <laughs> uh, gold. All that glitters is not gold, or at least that's what they say. And that makes me think of another saying, uh, careful what you wish for. Uh, but in my mind, there's another phrase that goes with that saying, yeah, be careful what you wish for, but also be thankful for what you get. I had a lesson with that, oh, about a dozen years or so ago. Uh, this was at a time when I was kind of caught in the grips of a crazy, mad, unrequited crush. I won't go into too much detail than that other than for whatever reason at the time I thought this woman was the mate that fate had me created for and kind of to borrow from our earlier speaker you know maybe I thought she was gonna be the Barbie to my Ken but not uh, eventually it became pretty clear she didn't share my interest and not only that that I had to kind of quit trying and at the time that was pretty rough and I knew I had no other choice but was wishing things could be kind of different and thinking of old sayings, I kind of found myself walking around a lot saying, man, I'd give my right arm just, just for a chance to talk to her. Maybe I could get her to give me a chance. You know, I found myself doing that a lot. You ever do that? You know, I'd give my right arm. I can't tell you exactly when that started, but I can tell you when it ended. It was, <laughs> it was the first week of February about 2005. That's when I first started noticing some symptoms, which started with numbness in my fingertips. I was having trouble picking things up and working those binder clips. It kind of spread pretty fast. Pretty much my whole hand was numb. And I started developing numb patches of numbness all throughout my right side, down my leg. And this is weird. Um, and of course, you go through, when you're going through something like that, you go through a mental inventory about what could be going on here. You know, it's, it's not carpal tunnel. I'm, did I have a mini stroke, something like that? But I couldn't help thinking, wait a minute, what have I been saying? It's kind of like, was somebody listening and heard what I was saying, saying, hey, you know that right arm thing you've been squawking about? You sure you don't wanna think that over? Can't help when you're going through something like that, just looking upwards and saying, hey, come on, it was only figure of speech. <laughs> After a while, I looked up and said, hey, okay, God, I got your point. Can I have my hand back now? I guess he figured I hadn't quite 
gotten my point, and I'd, I got my hand back eventually, but it took about three months. Uh, whether it was divine intervention or something else, there was a medical explanation for my symptoms. I went through a lot of testing, um, MRIs, spinal taps. Turns out I had a diagnosis of MS. Fortunately, it was accompanied with the words quite benign. It was of the relapsing and remitting variety, which meant my symptoms would go away, but there might be further attacks later. Uh, the first part happened, my symptoms did go away, but it's been over a dozen years, I've had no, no further attacks. So I kind of figured I'd dodge a bullet on that one. It's not quite the end of the story, though, because these testings I had revealed something else, and maybe if you might have heard some of my prior stories here, uh, the MRIs that I had revealed what ultimately turned out to be a brain tumor. But fortunately, that was successfully removed, and pretty much dodged a bullet on that one, too. The only thing is, along the way, I got to observe some people, including a very close friend of mine who didn't fare so well. His close friend basically had a more severe type of the same tumor I had, but uh, uh, he passed within six months, gave me quite a view of what things could have been. And you can't help but think of, what if timing had been different? What if his was discovered sooner? What if mine was discovered later? What if I had never had that right hand incident that prompted all those testing that got mine discovered? The, the result could have been a lot different. So like I said, be grateful for what you get. Oh, and about that crush I told you about at the beginning? I'm over it. <laughs> Pretty much. I know it's just a fantasy. I know she's not my destiny. I, I know she's not gold. Does she still glitter? Maybe, a little. <laughs> Old crushes never die. Maybe this one hasn't quite faded away. I'm pleased to say I still, every now and then, run into her and we have pleasant conversation. All the awkwardness of the past is well behind us. We never talk about anything in great depth. If we ever did, I'd probably like to tell her that same story I just told you, but I'd like to cap it off with a couple things. First, I'd like to tell her, hey, remember that time years ago when I had it bad for you and you shot me down? Well, I meant to thank you for that. You, you may well have saved my life. But also, I want to tell her, if a magic genie appears and he said, you could have your fantasy, your rom-com romance, all it's going to cost you is your right arm. I'd say, you know, you may glitter, but I'm keeping my arm. Our next slammer is Ethan Mansfield. Hello, everybody. Um, <laughs> so the first thing I should probably say is I actually did not put my name in the box. So the slammer. Huh. Merry Christmas. Yeah, so Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, everybody. I didn't put my name in there. Um, so am I still obligated to tell you all a story? Oh, Christ, OK. Um, good God. Go on, tell Auntie Blanche. <laughs> what? Oh, my God, am I? 
<laughs> Something about gold. Uh, so... Oh, and I have to tie it back to gold. That's even harder. Shit. Who did this to me? <laughs> Who was it? Who did this to me? Um, well... Um, Four minutes left. Yeah, perfect. Okay, let me just keep saying... Um, um, well, I want to talk a little bit. I could talk about Bogus Basin and Idaho City and uh, one of... Yeah, one of the most beautiful places I've ever actually, you know, spent any time. Um, <laughs> Idaho City is um, one of, uh, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of one of the earliest places I remember exploring. I grew up in Boise, Idaho, and uh, it's always been a really special place to me. I remember in fourth grade, this was kind of the, the first time that I probably went to Idaho City and realized that Idaho City was actually a fantastic place. Um, and I discovered that while gold panning. Um, so, um, yeah, so I'm gold panning in Idaho City as a fourth grader, and I, uh, I found uh, nothing, as you may imagine. Uh, there's literally no gold in Idaho City anymore. But it used to be one of the uh, largest cities in the Western US, actually, because of gold, um, which I think is pretty interesting. Um, also, like, huge, um, if you've ever been to the cemetery there, um, it's, like, shocking. Like, so many deaths because of, like, gun, viol like, gun fights in saloons. Like, it's a real Old West because of gold. So, um, thanks, gold. Oh, what about Trudy's? Did you learn about that in Trudy's? I probably did learn that in Trudy's, actually. It's, it's on the menu in Trudy's, so it's not, not that smart. Um, <laughs> Thank you, Jordan. Uh, has anyone ever been to Trudy's in Idaho City? Raise your hand. Okay, a quarter of the room, it's all over here. <laughs> um, yeah, so I drive through Idaho City probably now like 10 or 15 times a winter, at least, uh, to go skiing up at Moore's Mountain, um, or Moore's, Moore's Creek Summit. And uh, you know, I don't think too much about the gold mining past there, but um, <laughs> I do find it interesting and totally fascinating that like the entire economy of Idaho City has transitioned from one of like this extremely massive gold boom to one of uh, total, it's totally based on recreation. Does anyone find that, anyone else find that fascinating? Like how it changes from like this totally like gold-dependent, like, like resource extraction-dependent economy to one of totally, like, recreation-dependent economy, like this, I don't know, to me that's totally fascinating, but I guess maybe not anybody else. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, so now I ski a lot at Morris Creek Summit and I drive through Idaho City, which is one of the most, uh, one, used to be one of the most vibrant economies in the West because of gold. Um, so, so, yeah, there it is. <laughs> Story Story Night receives support from the Boise Arts and History Department and is funded in part by the Idaho Commission on the Arts and the National Endowment for the Arts. Thank you to our media sponsor, Radio Boise, our season sponsor, Pettit Realty Group, and the Gold Show sponsor, Advocates for the West. Podcast production is by Stephen Baldessari. Our theme song was composed by Dan Costello, and our musical guest is Louise Vanderike. 
Support the storied program, get tickets to our live show, and stay tuned at www.storystorynight.org or on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Story Story Night. You can also donate by phone, text FLAGSHIP to 41444. Thanks for being a part of our story. 